Chance Engelbert was a hardworking young man with a new family and dreams of running his father's ranch. After a disagreement with his brother and father-in-law in Terrytown, Nebraska, Chance decided to take a walk to cool off. After a few hours, Chance went dark and did not answer his cell phone. He has never been seen again. My name is Don Engelbert. Um, I'm Chance's mom, and um, he's been missing for two and a half years, and we need answers. Um, we live here in South Dakota, and uh, he vanished in Gary, Nebraska, July 6, 2019. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim, here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic today, Tim. The sun's shining. You're glowing. Uh, I'm hopeful that everyone out there is enjoying their day as much as we are. How are you? I am doing great, Lance. Thanks a lot for asking. We're only a few days, really, away from uh, leaving for CrimeCon, and I just wanted our missing listeners to know that we're doing a live missing show, and we're on the CrimeCon schedule, and it's going to happen at 5.50 p.m., on Friday, April 29th, 2022, in Las Vegas, it's slotted for 50 minutes. And Greg Overacker, bounty hunter, private investigator from Private Investigations for the Missing, will be with us. It's going to be an interesting show, Lance. And we might have a couple of other surprise guests, but we want to keep that sort of uh, close to the chest for the time being. I think it's really cool that we're getting on Private Investigators who represent the nonprofit Private Investigations for the Missing, because we talk about that all the time. And most of the people that we cover in this show are from the case files of Private Investigations for the Missing. Is there a better place to introduce some of these investigators to the community? Is there a better place than CrimeCon? I, I don't think so. It's a great opportunity. It really is. And Jennifer Amell joins us in this episode, Lance, and she is going to join us on that panel on Friday, April 29th as well. That one at CrimeCon. I can't wait. And if you're still on the fence, you can use code CRAWLSPACE when you check out with your standard badge at CrimeCon.com, and that'll get you 10% off. And Lance, we want to tell our audience about our subscription service. We are doing a subscription service called Missing Premium. We have a bonus show that we do every week. It's called Hidden Opinions, and we sort of discuss our opinions on some of the cases that we talk about on the public airways, but also... This premium feed, it's all ad-free, Lance, so our audience will get every single episode of Missing, the entire catalog, all ad-free when they go to missing.supportingcast.fm. And that Hidden Opinion show is going over really well, despite the fact that I'm still not quite sold on the title, but I'll, I'll get over that. It's a really great show because every single episode that we've done, we've trained ourselves over the years to not give any sort of real opinion on what we think happened to the individual. So on Hidden Opinions, that's where you get it. Okay, so I really think you'll like that. Check that out at missing.supportingcast.fm, and there is a link in the show notes. And Lance, this episode that we're speaking about today came from the private investigations for the missing case files, and we're speaking about the disappearance of Chance Leslie Engelbert from Terrytown, Nebraska. And a big thanks to Kathleen Studer, in addition to Jennifer Amell, for putting together all of the details surrounding Chance's disappearance. Again, this one is a baffling one. They put together a great timeline, which depicts the last few days uh, pretty much down to the minutes, just based on uh, cell phone activity and CCTV security footage. Uh, it's probably one of the more detailed timelines of a disappearance that we've covered. 
And if anybody has any information on Chance's disappearance, if you're listening to this episode and something sounds familiar to you, please, you're instructed to reach out to the Gearing Police Department at 308-436-5089. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We're going to break for commercial right here, and then we'll be right back with Jennifer Amell, and we'll play clips from Jennifer Amell's conversation with Chance's mom, Dawn. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. Jennifer Amell, welcome back to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to talk about this case today. This is another case that came to us via private investigations for the missing, and the research was conducted by our friend Kathleen Studer. Good job to Kathleen for putting this together, Chance Leslie Engelbert. Uh, This one is a little bit different. Uh, Again, they're all tragic uh, disappearances. This one feels different to me because there doesn't seem to be a lot of external issues going on other than trigger moment of a fight with family. Um, it Was that your feeling as well as you were going over it, Jen? Yeah, definitely. In any missing persons case, you look at what was going on right before the disappearance. And while it doesn't look particularly great that he had this kind of argument with his wife's family, I actually don't think that has anything to do with his disappearance. Not detail for detail, but I do get a uh, Brandon Lawson feel to this. Yeah. Yeah. This one definitely reminded me of Brandon too. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And Chance has been missing from Terrytown, Nebraska since July 6th, 2019. He is classified as endangered, missing. He's a white male with blue eyes, brown hair with sun highlights. His date of birth is December 3rd, 1993. He was 25 years old at the time of his disappearance. 511 and 195 pounds. He was wearing a short-sleeved button-down Wrangler shirt, blue Wrangler jeans, a belt with an NRCA buckle, roper boots, and a black and white trucker cap. Distinguishing characteristics, Engelbert had a scar on his hip. And Chance is the firstborn of Everett and Don Engelbert and the older brother of Miles and Clay. He was raised on a ranch outside of Edgemont, South Dakota, and was a rodeo bareback rider. 
He was a good enough writer that it actually got him a scholarship to Laramie County Community College. Yep, ever since he was a little boy, he's going to ride barebacks. So um, then he started riding bulls because barebacks you couldn't ride as early. We didn't have any little ponies around to do that. So he started riding bulls in fifth grade until he could ride uh, bareback horses in um, his eighth grade year. I knew he had uh, he had really good people in the arena with him, and that's what he wanted to do. So I supported him and hauled him everywhere. <laughs> so we went to lots of schools, lots of rodeos, and he ended up getting a college uh, scholarship with it and went four years at LCCC on a bareback scholarship. So, And what did he study there? Um, his first two years, he was in diesel mechanics, and then he he wanted to be a welder like his dad. And so then the next two years, he took welding and, and then graduated with a degree in both diesel mechanics and welding. You know, the way the coal mines work, about every four years, they're an up and down grid. And um, they laid up most of the coal miners off that summer. And he came back and worked the ranch with us and his uncle up the road. And... Um, did that for the summer and then come fall, he got a, um, they did temporary work a lot of times with the coal mines. So he got on as a temporary and then he got on full time and he was a haul truck driver for about two years. And then he finally got his uh, welding job and had that for a little over a year before all this happened. And Chance's dream was to go back and work at the family's ranch. And while he waited for that possibility, he started work at a mine in Moorcroft, Wyoming, as a welder. And he was described as a hard worker who never missed a day of work. Unfortunately, at the end of June 2019, the mine went bankrupt, and Chance, his best buddy Matt, and 600 others lost their jobs. There were kind of some shady things going on, and we kind of all were expecting something was happening. There, you know, like the paychecks were getting delayed. Um, a lot of the guys that had um, child support taken out of their checks and stuff, they were noticing that wasn't happening and getting paid to the to their children and, and just some weird things. And then all of a sudden they um, just shut down. There were 600 coal miners between Gillette, Wyoming and in Virginia that got laid off by this black jewel company and uh, just shut everything down that, that week before he disappeared. So nothing on chance. It just how those big things go. Chance immediately found a job at a local propane company and was supposed to start work there on Monday, July 8th, 2019. I mean, so this kind of stands out to me as somebody who really needs to be doing something, right? He's He loses his job at no fault of his own, and then he immediately finds another job. Someone who can pick up a trade and learn it pretty quickly uh, and obviously do pretty well, you know, do pretty well as far as like maintaining that job. Yeah, and Chance had a young family to provide for, too. In 2017, Chance met Bailey Bewley. Well, one weekend, uh, him and his buddy, Matt Miller, was at the ranch. They were going to do some hunting or scoping out things. And um, I was told he was going to also, they were going to um, Scott's Bluff for a derby car and to meet a girl. And uh, we were teasing him, giving him a hard time. It was October of 2017 that he met. On with her sometime in that period. I don't know when they started talking, but they were talking through Facebook and then texting. And we just kind of teased him like, geez, what last thing you need is a girl. And, and then he said, you know, she's younger, she's in college. And I, I said, I don't think you should go meet her because you're going to get yourself in trouble with a college girl. And uh, they, Matt laughed at him and said, see, I told you. And they all went to Gearing, well, to Scott's Bluff, which is right there at Gearing. And got the car and met met Bailey and 
must have been everything he wanted, he thought. So then from there, they just kept talking. And then she came to the ranch to meet us mid-November, probably. Well, actually, I loved Bailey. Um, we did have a good relationship. Um, it, it was up and down. She was young. My other um, son had a young girlfriend. And there was actually a, I wasn't told the truth about how old Bailey was. When I first met her, I seen she had a college um, ID card. And I asked her, I said, so are you transferring to Gillette? And she kind of gave me a word look and said, no, we're going to, I'm going to wait until fall. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that was because she was still in high school and taking college classes. I didn't find out until probably March. And I said, well, at least she's 18. So it's kind of late now. What, what are you doing now? You've been dating her for four or five months. And so, but I know I did. I liked Bailey. She was, she jumped in and helped and she was a good, we talked on the phone when she was in, in Scott's Bluff gearing and she called me when he was on the night shift and we did talk. So it's, it's a, it's a hard thing that's happened. Um, it, they actually got married on their um, like one year anniversary. Um, it was very, very quaint, very, uh, it was just uh, my husband and myself, um, Matt Miller, his wife, and our son Miles, and my niece Kaylee was taking pictures and then the Justice of Peace. And it was a beautiful little wedding in the park. And um, then we they went to and took family pictures or took the wedding pictures. And then we went to Deadwood for dinner. So so what was what was Chance's reaction to becoming a father? Well, it was cute. He uh, it was my birthday when they announced it in September that that they were going to have a baby. And they went and got me a birthday present. And there was a card. And I could tell something was up just because he just he had a shit inning grin and he just that when he was up to something, he had that and a sparkle in his eye and Bailey was kind of quiet and looking up at me. And so I opened the card and it said, um, don't be mad. Remember, you always wanted to be a grandma. And uh, so that's, I got told. And the funny thing is he thought I was 50 and he says, how's that for a 50th birthday present? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm only 49. So what are you going to do next year for me? So, um, so that he was kind of bummed about that because he's like, I, he thought he did the great thing on the, my birthday, but no, he was so excited. I'm very nervous, definitely nervous, but very excited. My husband and I both were excited. My husband said, well, I knew it was coming sooner or later. So we met, none of us were shocked or upset. We were, we were excited. That's what I lived for to have uh, my babies and have grandbabies. So Bailey was five years younger than Chance and was from Garing, Nebraska, which was about a three and a half to four hour drive from Warcraft, Wyoming, where he was working at that mine. The couple had a new home and Chance had a new pickup truck, and it seemed for all intents and purposes that life was really good for this young family. The week before this all happened, well, two days before that happened, um, there was a, a, a big fight between us and because um, of him and his wife and um, that the end of the fight, the last thing he said to me is, give me a week off from you to work on my marriage and we'll see you next weekend if you're lucky. And so I gave him the week off, hardest thing I've ever done because Chance and I talked pretty much every day or every other day, whether it was by text message on his way to work or on his way home from work, somebody was always in contact every day. So. Hardest week of my life. And then that weekend never came. So, 
And on July 6th, 2019, Chance, Bailey, and Baby Banks headed down to Garing, Nebraska for the July 4th holiday to spend time with family. They stayed at Bailey's grandparents' house in the 700 block of O Street in town. And on July 6th, Chance went golfing with Bailey's dad and her brother. They had plans to have dinner with some of Bailey's friends that night after the boys' golf game. But they didn't get a chance to do that. Yeah, so apparently we learned that Chance called his wife after this game of golf and said that he wanted to go home to Wyoming. He was apparently upset about a comment that was made by one of Bailey's family members, either his brother-in-law or his father-in-law, that had to do with um, the amount of money he was making. And after picking up Chance, Bailey drove to her grandparents' house, which made him even more upset. But their bags and things were there, so she intended to get their stuff and pack up before they left. And it was just after 7 p.m. when Bailey parked in the driveway and Chance walked away from the car and he was gone. Yeah, this is the thing that his family said was pretty common for Chance to do if he was involved in any kind of fight or argument. He wouldn't stay around. He would go out on a walk just to cool down and kind of get a breath of fresh air and then come back to the situation. So it seems like that's what Chance was was doing here. He was angry at the situation and just going for a walk. But he walked away from Bailey's car while she was gathering their stuff. And do we know if he had a conversation with her? Is that what he told her, that he was going to walk to cool off? I don't think he said explicitly what he was doing. Mm Mm-hmm. We know from the research that Chance was mad about this comment that was made during the golf game, and then his wife insisted that they go back to the grandparents' house and get their stuff, which, I mean, makes sense if they're going to make this, you know, four-hour trip back home. They need to go get their things. I mean, he might have just been so angry that he needed to, like, get out of the situation for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's understandable. But we do know that Bailey says that she gave Banks to her grandmother, Banks is the baby, and got in the car and drove around looking for him. So that says to me that he didn't tell her, like, hey, I'm going to go walk into town or I'm going to go walk to a corner store or anything. He just left. And so she went looking for him. So according to Bailey, right after Chance walked away from the car, uh, Bailey immediately drove around town looking for him but couldn't find him. And keep in mind, the town of Gehring is relatively small, um, has a population just over 8,000. The streets are sparsely tree-lined with some sidewalks and some without. So it's not particularly conducive to walking, more of a driving town, it seems like. Um, There is a core downtown area on 10th Street that spans about 10 blocks. And we do know he was walking on 10th Street for a little bit of time. Uh, But people walking around would normally be visible, Um, unless they were purposefully trying to avoid being seen by walking down alleyways and such. So, I mean, according to Bailey, if she was driving around this small town, she believes she would have seen him. Maybe Chance was walking down alleyways, you know, to not have been picked up by Bailey or seen by Bailey, you know? Yeah, it's possible. And the sequence of events after he walked away from Bailey is as follows, with the caveat that we're looking at people's estimations of times as well as documented timestamps. So there may be a little bit of a discrepancy. And at 7.23 p.m., and I believe we can take this as a fact that it was specifically 7.23 based on maybe the timestamp from the phone call, Matt Miller, who was Chance's best man, receives a phone call from Chance 
saying that he's upset with his in-laws in Gearing and wants a ride home to Wyoming. And he goes on to tell Matt that he's walking northwest towards Torrington, Wyoming, which is just across the Nebraska-Wyoming border, which is about 35 miles away. Yeah, so just to give you all a sense of like the distance between Chance and his friend, Chance is in a place called Gearing, Nebraska, and Moorcroft, Wyoming is three and a half to four hours away. So in this phone call, it's a little confusing, but he tells he tells his friend Matt that he's walking toward the state border between Wyoming and Nebraska, which is 35 miles. I don't know if he was trying to get to the state border so he could be picked up there or if he was just giving his friend an idea of his like direction of travel. But it's quite a distance between him and his friend. And Matt, who has friends over and had been drinking, tells Chance that he can't come and get him, but that he'd call and find someone to come get him, and then he'd call him back. We were home. My husband and I were home, and we got a call from his friend, Matt Miller, and said, hey, Mama Don, there's some problems. Chance needs a ride. And he said, him and Bailey and the in-laws got in a fight. And I said, well, Matt, he's, I'm probably the last one he's going to want to talk to if he's in a fight with Bailey. And so he said, well, he's in a fight, he's got upset and he wants to come home and he's walking towards Torrington. Well, Matt lived another two and a half hours from where we live, which so when we're two and a half, three hours from Gearing. And it was, it was 7.45 on the, on July 6th when Matt called us. And I, um, I said, well, we're gonna, we'll get on top of it, but we'll stay connected and um so I reached out to his aunt and uncle to both call him because he talks to them shares everything with them and I thought he would rather talk to them than myself or my husband so they both called and texted him my husband started calling and texting him I called Matt back and I said he's not answering any of our phones he's like no he won't answer me either um I probably had texted him and said you know no questions asked just we want to know you're okay and if you need the motel room let us know he never, ever opened my text message. It ended up coming back to me the following week. So I would say for between that 7.45 to the 9.08, I don't know what happened. Um, but we, we called and text all through the night. Um, Everett called another good buddy that lived right across the street from him, from Bailey and Chance. Um, his friend Larry because we figured he'd call Larry because Larry was the responsible one out of the group and didn't drink and Chance adored him. So we called him to see and he'd been to the ranch and at the um, brandings and stuff. So Everett was close to him. So Everett called and he's like, gosh, I don't know anything. I'll call Bailey and see what's up. So then Bailey ended up calling Everett about 8, 8.30 then, and said, well, don't worry about it. We're going to look for him. And Everett said, well, what happened? And she said, he misunderstood or took a, a comment that Kyler said wrong and got really upset. We all thought that was odd, but we know he called Matt and needed a ride home. So we know something happened to upset him. So I'm kind of confused why Chance is looking for different people to, to drive him right? Because he's already sort of made the arrangements with his wife to drive back. And then obviously something happened. He's, I guess, out on on foot. But I guess we don't really know if he told his wife that he's 
it, it sounds like he didn't tell her anything. So it sounds like he had a plan to leave with her and the baby, and then he just sort of improvised and started walking and then called his friend. Yeah, I mean, I think he was just that angry that he was like, I can't even be in the car with this person. Or maybe, you know, something else transpired in the conversation between him and Bailey on the way over to the grandparents' house. Like, maybe she was like, you know, calm down. Uh, we still have, you know, the rest of the weekend here. Let's stay and try to work it out and stuff. And Chance was, like, too angry, so he just kind of took off and was going to make other arrangements. So Matt follows up with a phone call to Chance's mom, who's an hour closer to Gehring than he is, than Matt is. And together they brainstorm uh, someone who might be able to pick up Chance. So they're working on it in the background. And then a few minutes later at 745-ish, Bailey stated that she talked to Chance on the phone. And he stated he was heading south toward Kimball, approximately 43 miles from Gehring. And he reportedly hung up on Bailey, according to her statement, and he did not return her calls or texts. So he tells his wife that he's heading south towards a different town, towards Kimball, which is 43 miles from Gehring. But that sort of contradicts what he says to Matt, where he says he's heading northwest towards Torrington when he asked for a ride. So I'm um, inclined to believe that one because he's asking for a ride because he's he wants somebody to come pick him up. And I think that there's perhaps some residual anger there uh, with Bailey because, again, he doesn't tell her the same thing. He says south towards Kimball. Yeah, and then just a few minutes after this phone call with Bailey, there's a witness who sees Chance walk past a Domino's Pizza going north on 10th Street. So this direction of travel confirms what he told his friend Matt, that he was heading north. And then just a few minutes later at 7.51, surveillance video catches Chance on his phone walking and making a 90-degree turn west onto Martha Road in an area of town called Terrytown. And he was looking at his cell phone as if he was looking at a map for directions. I think that that fits. I mean, he's uh, going north and then taking a 90-degree turn going west. I mean, that's actually what he told Matt, that he was north, going in a northwesterly direction. And it's kind of tough to tell when you're walking, like which direction you're going sometimes on the map until you walk a few feet. So maybe that was the source of some of his confusion. I don't know. I mean, and then we have another surveillance video that catches Chance at 8.01. He's walking further west on a road called Stable Club Road. And this was caught on a ring camera, like someone's residence, like security camera, not a business. Uh, we're looking at the at a screenshot of the ring camera, and he's pretty far away on camera. I have to say, um, if they did some sort of enhancement on this and zoomed in and determined that this was him, um, it's pretty good tracking of him. They have a witness. They have uh, time-stamped surveillance videos and this ring camera. Pretty good, pretty good tracking. Yeah, good detective work finding all of that video. I mean, it is it is like just after 8 p.m. and it looks like the sky is getting dark. And I guess his plan is to like keep walking and in hopes that Matt and his mother figure out a ride for him. But at this point, as far as we know, he hasn't spoken to his mother or Matt, his friend. So he doesn't really know if a, a ride is coming for him. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. 
Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. And a thank you to our sponsors. Back to the program. And at this point, a wild thunderstorm rolls through town. And witnesses report that it started about 9 p.m. And a weather underground chart for this day shows the wind speed and rain go significantly up, as well as the temperature dipping down to 56 degrees Fahrenheit from a high of 80 degrees that day. And this event lasts only about 45 minutes, but in that time, almost an inch of rain falls and the Platte River, which runs between the towns of Garing and Scottsbluff to the north, rises eight inches. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a flash flood situation. Yeah, you, it's, it's raining so hard for 45 minutes that water flows down into the river enough to make it rise eight inches. Yeah, and, and like people say that this storm rolled through town around 9 p.m., and the last time we saw Chance confirmed on video was at 8 p.m., so where was he traveling during that hour, and was he in a place where he could take shelter from this storm, or was he already outside of town and had to, you know, kind of hunker down under a tree or something? I mean, these are dangerous conditions. He grew up on a ranch. He knows he knows what to do during a storm. He knows what not to do. Um, our ranch is right on the Cheyenne River, which... Granted, the Cheyenne River is a crick compared to the North Platte River, but he knew to respect it. He knew that there it was ever-changing, so he would have never been down by the river to hide, or he wouldn't. He would never. He wouldn't be by the river. He doesn't like. He didn't like water. He he would have known to go get out of. And there was a couple bars around. There was a truck stop, and after walking the area that he was in, I mean, to, to even to get close to the water was like you had to go through trees and big rocks. It wasn't like you just were on a sidewalk and accidentally would have fell in. It, it, it would have been a hike to get to the river to fall in. Well, the timing on it is a bit strange to me because at 9.08, Chance's aunt Katie receives two consecutive strange text messages from Chance. He lived with Katie off and on when he worked at the coal mines. It's not family by blood, but by bond. She helped get him his first job there, and they're very, very close. And she had texted him early, about 
eight o'clock and said, hey, bud, I have a question for you. Um, call me when you can. Trying to just get him to talk to her without saying, I know you're in a fight with Bailey. <laughs> and he never answered, never text. One thing that's odd to me is that it's 9.08. And if that torrential rainstorm, that, that thunderstorm happened, he would have to be texting in the rain at that time unless he was undercover somewhere. And the texts themselves are super unnerving. Yeah, it's bizarre. We should definitely post a picture of this text. But he uses an emoji, and it's the emoji with, like, the straight across mouth, like, neither smiling nor frowning. It's kind of just like, eh, like, F my life kind of emoji. And so he says, I'm emoji face, and then... The second text is something completely nonsensical. The only thing that I can really make out is the word really in it. But basically the letters are I-B-D-E-S-E-R-E-A-L-L-Y-G. That emoji is known as neutral face. (laughs) Neutral face, yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. This is so. This is just a kind of a jumble of letters with the word "really" in there. I kind of wonder if it's uh, just a little. It, it, maybe he was trying to type "it's raining," and that's and you know he didn't space it out and uh, missed a couple of letters, and, and that's what happened. I don't know. But the other interesting thing about that is that Chance's mother said that Chance rarely, if ever, used emojis. So for him to send an emoji is kind of out of character. I don't know. There was a time where I never sent an emoji either. <laughs> Until I did. (laughs) And maybe he thought that this was like angry face or something. If he if he wasn't familiar with emojis, pretty sure he wasn't trying to tell his aunt that he's neutral. Well, don't people use that like like things are going wrong, but like whatever. Yeah. or, Or if you're stunned at like someone's comment or bad joke or something like you're not laughing at a joke. Yeah, it's almost like a reply emoji more than it is just uh, something to start a conversation. At first, I said, I think it was like he wiped his phone off like it was wet. He wiped his phone off. The more we learned that week and the more we learned the next week, in my heart, somebody else had his phone at 9.08 and sent that to me. You think somebody else texted that jumble of letters? In my heart, yes. And everybody's tried to put it together like he had hit his head and he was, he didn't, he wouldn't have been like that. He didn't use emojis. He wouldn't have thought abbreviate something out that I need help. I mean, he just wasn't that kind of a kid. And at 10 p.m., Chance's cell phone pings off of a cell tower just to the east of Riverside Golf Course in the west part of Scotts Bluff, which is upriver from Chance's last known location. And there's a two to three mile possible arc from that tower. So his exact location at this time isn't known. But it's saying that it is within that two to three mile arc. Yeah, it's believed to be somewhere on Five Rocks Road between Owl Road and the Western Travel Terminal on Five Rocks and Beltline Highway. So it's hard to kind of picture this area without looking at a map. But so we have uh, like a general idea of where he's headed. So, But the distance between this Western Travel Terminal and Bailey's grandparents' house is approximately three and a half miles. So in all these hours, like since seven... Um, at night until 10 p.m., apparently Chance has only traveled three and a half miles away. Right. And this Western Travel Terminal 
is a gas station with a convenience store, sort of like anything that you'd see off a highway. When you first hear Western Travel Terminal, I think a lot of people's minds go to like a train station or some sort of commuter rail or something like that. This appears to just be, uh, yeah, where travelers would fill up on gas and, and go into the convenience store. Right, yeah. Um, looking at our plotted map here, and the last video that we have from that ring camera is like, pretty close to that last cell phone ping. It's just like maybe a mile up the road, still ha heading west, I think. And sunset in Garrig on July 6, 2019 was 8.32 p.m. Actual dark wouldn't be for about another 90 minutes or so. I guess that depends on how dark the storm cell made the area. And Chance's friend Matt tells a story about going to Chance's house in Moorcroft right after he disappeared where he found a cell phone laying on their porch. And he called Bailey to ask her about it, and before he could get back to retrieve it, she called a neighbor to go pick it up. The way I understand is another friend from the coal mines swung by Chance's house Sunday morning hoping that he was there and just didn't realize all this was going on. And, uh, there was a cell phone on his porch or on the curb. And then he sat on the porch. He called Matt and um, told Matt about it. And from what I understood, Matt had called Bailey and told Bailey that he was rushing to town to get the phone. And then she called Larry next door and Larry got the phone. I seen the phone. It was not Chance's phone. It wasn't anything like Chance's phone. Um, I, <laughs> there's so many stories on that phone that it's just, drives me crazy and I maybe it is a something but what the sheriff's department or the Gary PD told me is that it had been turned into Moorcroft Larry and his wife turned it into Moorcroft Moorcroft um, then gave it to the DCI in Gillette Wyoming and that it was a phone and they their words was it was the town drunk they used it for music and wandered the streets I try not to be, I said, a homeless person because I, we're still talking about somebody's son. And I guess I thought homeless sounded better than drunk. So that was stupid of me because now everybody thinks I'm lying about things. But I had said the homeless person dropped it. Since then, I've been told by other people that know it was a construction worker that was working his phone. I've also heard stories that somebody dropped it off at a bar in Moorcroft and said, this is Chance Engelbert's phone. Can you take it to his house? So who knows? I've been assured by the police department it has nothing to do with Chance's case and not to worry about it anymore. So that's, I've tried putting that out. I've tried to stick up for Larry that he had nothing to do. Him and his wife didn't do anything wrong with the phone and that it was all taken care of. But at 11 a.m. on Sunday, July 7th, Bailey reported Chance missing to the Gehrig Police Department. And some of Chance's family and friends drove to Gehrig to help with the search. And Saturday night, Everett kept saying, we need to go. And I said, where are we going to go? It's 9 o'clock. We're three hours away. We're going to drive down there. And then what do we do? And I said, and more than likely, they've made up. They're going to be in bed and we're going to be knocked on the door in the next in the morning and look stupid so I I wouldn't go um so the next morning I got up and I went to church and I got out of church and Everett had called and said they're putting a missing person report in 
and, and I'm like, what do you mean there being a missing person reported? It did, nothing made sense to me after that. Um, and then I got home and we started calling the sheriff's department from our town towards Torrington. And by the time we got to Torrington, the secretary said, I think my captain is on the phone with your son's father-in-law. So we're, we'll got all the information and we'll be keeping you posted. And so, yeah, Sunday morning, about 1130 is when they finally got the missing person reports to go through and then we just kept calling every place we could think of calling friends calling we talked to Bailey throughout the day I talked to her grandma a couple times her grandma invited us down and said we got the camper here you can stay I kept thinking he was going to walk it down the drive so I didn't want to leave and then Monday morning I knew it was time to go <laughs> And in the first few days, there were many boots on the ground looking for chance. Then they searched hard. They did. I, I cannot thank the Gary and PD enough on that. That week, there was people everywhere. Captain Rogers told us on Monday we could go out and search, but we had to stay away from anybody in Bess and not hinder. We're thinking, well, that'll be easy. But no, it, there was people everywhere. It was unreal how many people were around. There was probably 18 agencies total. And that's just weird watching people walk through fields and ditches and dogs and four-wheelers. There was helicopters, boats. Every morning we'd go in and see those people leaving to go search. They would have their debriefing. Then they would go to search as we were coming in to hear what the new thing was. And then every night we'd go back in and they were leaving. And I still remember a lot of their eyes. It was like, they were like, unbelievable and they were tired and they were hot and they did they did search hard and by this time chance's phone was now going straight to voicemail and there was no sign of him physically or digitally so i guess there's no more uh nest video footage there's no more surveillance or cctv footage and no more witness sightings of him right and no and no more phone pings as well yeah and uh 2,400 acres were covered during the search, and the canal that ran alongside Stable Club Road was drained and searched, as well as many areas around the Platte River. And after July 6th at 10 p.m., there's been no activity on his phone or debit card. Jeez. I mean, this is uh, just where your stomach drops, right? This is where your heart sinks, because go back to what instigated all of this in the first place, a silly argument. And I'm saying silly because it's a financial argument probably that was the driving force of that uh, comment that set Chance off in the first place. It's just, it you know, you're with your family and, and it's a holiday weekend and, and you get the into an argument like that. And then I couldn't imagine being Bailey, you know, just the, the hours go by and then the days go by and then thinking about like, all the what ifs. Yeah, I mean, he disappeared in, in the blink of an eye, essentially. Yeah. When uh, when Bailey went in to grab grab their belongings, um, he just got out of the car and left. Apparently, didn't tell anyone. Strangely enough, like you said, he disappeared in the blink of an eye. I guess he did there, but you know, he was pretty well tracked up until that that storm. Yeah, very strange. I mean, he's literally telling people where he's going and what direction. 
and he and he disappears. So I don't know what exactly that tells you, but yeah, but he, I think he's somewhat inconsistent on where he's saying. True, and then some of the video of him looking looks like he's looking at a map. Really, just not sure where he's going. I mean, if that was me, I probably just would have went to the local, the most local establishment, you know, a, a bar or somewhere, somewhere to wait out the rain. We'll get into it in more detail on our Hidden Opinion subscription service, but you're right. Like, if you put yourself in that, if this was me situation, at some point I would have just like found a rock or something to sit down on and take some breaths and and you know look at the sky or something. I wouldn't certainly keep walking. Uh, I don't know if I've ever been in an argument that intense that would make me just keep going like that. And in the months and now years following Chance's disappearance, there are many speculations about what happened to him the night of July 6th. And we know for sure that he was heading northwest out of the town of Gehrig, perhaps towards Highway 26 that would take him west to Torrington. But if he was walking north on Five Rocks Road, surveillance at the Western Travel Terminal did not pick him up. And there's no known video showing him walking through Scotts Bluff to get to Highway 26. Well, what should not be lost on this is that the temperature did dip pretty significantly. So if he's caught in the rain and the wind and those elements and then the temperature drops so significantly so quickly, um, perhaps he suffered from this sudden maybe hypothermia. Uh, And who knows how that would have affected his thinking. He might have not known how to deal with that. That could explain the weird text messages. Not being able to, you know, use your fingers or or think properly or, you know, have the the sense of uh, communication. Yeah, I mean, what strikes me, though, if he was, like, fine and not washed away by a flash flood or anything, it's, like, how close he was to civilization. He was only, I mean, his phone pinged, like, still in a town, like, near a travel stop that he, he could have gone back to. So if he was feeling the effects of this temperature drop, or being an experienced outdoors person, he knows the dangers of hypothermia. Like if he felt anything of the sort, wouldn't he retreat back to shelter of some kind? Yeah, and a lot of times when we're covering um, these missing persons cases and hypothermia comes into play, uh, the hypothermic person will actually take their clothes off, um, which seems to make no logical sense, but apparently it's because they're burning up, um, even though uh, they're freezing technically, but they feel like they're burning up and they feel like that's what they need to do. So if that was what happened to Chance, you'd almost expect to find his shirt or something like that. Yeah. Some trace of him, his wallet, his phone, his hat. But something was found uh, on October 18th of 2021. The Scotts Bluff County Sheriff's Department received a call about a possible human remain that was found near Malbetta, a town just over eight miles to the southeast of Gearing. And the hunter found an arm bone and part of a shirt on the land just north of the river. And they sent the items off for DNA analysis, and Detective Eads contacted Chance's parents about the find. Uh, To this day, the DNA has not been completed, but it was determined that the material of the shirt more closely matches the shirt of another missing man from that area, apparently. Yeah, it would be great to get that DNA back to definitively say whether or not this is Chance or this other missing man. But, you know, what a... What a harrowing time for Chance's family to be waiting on information like that. That's awful. 
And there have been some rumors out there about a robbery that went bad, but nothing concrete enough to know for sure. And another theory is that Chance left to start a new life. But both Bailey and Chance's mom say that he would not have left two-month-old Banks, nor would he have gone for this long without contacting family. It's just not in his nature. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a guy who would just take off um, what we know of him. He's very responsible. Even facing the adverse circumstances of losing his job at the mine, like he got right back on that horse, um, pun intended, with the <laughs> with the rodeo. Um, but yeah, he, he got back on the horse and found a job immediately. Like he, this is not the kind of guy who would just take off. And the disagreement at the golf course and other disagreements between Chance's family and Bailey's family have led some people to believe that they had something to do with his disappearance along with what some consider her odd behavior in the days following. For example, a few days after Chance went missing, Bailey asked about getting a death certificate. And not long after that, her family lawyered up, which sort of debatable how suspicious that is. The, the lawyering up part, not really suspicious to me. And the detective on the case, Detective Eads, explains that Bailey told him that a death certificate was needed because she was unemployed and had this two-month-old baby to raise and was hoping to get on Chance's Social Security so that they could survive. So I understand, like, you know, financial situation being pretty dire and trying to grasp at straws to survive and, like, feed your baby, but, like, just a few days after his disappearance is... I think the fishiest thing. I'm not convinced at all, though, that the lawyering up is anything to be concerned about. Yeah, he also says that when he was at work one day at the new job with the propane company, a person from HR came to talk to him, and they told him that Bailey had been there and told him not to hold Chance's job. And Matt couldn't understand why Bailey would do that. I take it this was maybe only a, a few days or a week or two after... Chance went missing, so there was the reasonable thought that he could reappear and start working that job. Yeah, I mean, if Bailey was so worried about their financial situation and not a whole lot of time had passed, it doesn't really make sense that she would make sure his job didn't didn't hold a position for him, um, assuming that he would return. And uh, Detective Eads went on to state that Bailey and her family have been cooperative to the investigation, that they have conducted searches of their properties and done polygraphs, and there isn't anything indicating their involvement at this time. And Bailey was actually scheduled to start nursing school that fall, but was relying on chance for support to do that. And even though there are some inconsistencies and behavior that some might say is odd, nothing thus far has led the police in Gehrig to say publicly that Bailey or Bailey's family might be suspects. Bailey and her family have gotten death threats in regards to Chance's disappearance, and she fears for her safety and says there is false information and accusations surrounding her family. A tragic disappearance still, though. I, I, don't, I don't have a, bet, like, a good idea of what happened to Chance, but it doesn't sound like there'd be motive there for Bailey or her family necessarily. So no one knows what happened to Chance, and Detective Eads says at this point there's no evidence to show that it is a homicide, but there's really no evidence to show that it's not either, end quote. And Bailey says she thinks whatever happened is really bad, quote, people just don't vanish, something happened to him, end quote. And Don, Chance's mom, believes that he was met with foul play but doesn't know what happened. 
and everyone continues to spend available time with boots on the ground looking for chance. I mean, it truly is a baffling disappearance. Uh, they have a billboard up in Gehring, and the family runs a Facebook page called Help Find Chance Engelbert, where they post information and products for sale to help with the cost associated with looking for chance. So they're still active in the search for him for anything that might lead uh, to an answer about his whereabouts. Uh, but I think it's interesting what Bailey was quoted saying that people don't just vanish. Something happened to him. I mean, on the, on the, on the face of that. Yeah, that is obvious. Like something happened to him, but how long is it going to go before nothing is found to tell us what happened? Uh, and I know that feels like sort of a hollow statement, but I don't remember one that had this much documentation tracking someone's movements through cell phone pings and text messages and surveillance timestamps and seeing his image there and witness statements. And then a storm happens and he's gone, just gone. Everything is gone. Yeah. I mean, police and the family are desperate for any information in Chance Engelbert's disappearance. And they would love any witnesses or persons with surveillance video of this area that might contain Chance on his walk the night of July 6, 2019 to contact them. The number for the Gehring Police Department is 308-436-5089. And there's also a website that is chanceengelbert.com, and that's C-H-A-N-C-E-E-N-G-L-E-B-E-R-T.com. That's what's hard when you have a missing kid. You don't know which way to pray. Do you pray you find him? I mean, I know he's not alive. He's, he wouldn't do this to us, so I know we're, we're going to... He's not coming home. I wanted to bring him home to put to rest. But mainly, if something, if somebody caused this, I want justice. And until I have justice for it, I don't feel I'll ever have closure. So my closure would be justice. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.